Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on August 2nd, 2015, on the basis of Genesis 18, verses 20 through 32. So when it comes to your life of prayer, have you ever wished that God would have built in a genie clause? You've probably never thought of it quite in those terms before, but here's what I mean by that. Wouldn't it be nice if even just three times throughout the course of our entire life, we could ask God for something and we would be guaranteed that he would say yes. Sure, we'd really have to spread them out. We'd really have to make sure that we would use them wisely, but, but we would know that when it really mattered, when that perfect job opportunity came along, when we finally mustered up the courage to ask out the girl of our dreams, when a dear loved one is going in for surgery, we would know with absolute certainty that God would come through. Sort of like a genie. Instead, doesn't it often seem as though sort of our regular, old, ordinary prayers don't always work the way that we want them to? We make those requests of God when it really matters most, and sometimes it doesn't seem as though he's listening. If you're anything like me, that can end up having a very negative impact on your life of prayer. Maybe over time you begin to tweak the requests that you are making. You think to yourself, okay, if if God clearly doesn't want to give me that, well then maybe, maybe he'll give me this. Or maybe over time you, you try to tweak your behavior a little bit. You think to yourself, well, maybe if I do more things for God, God will do more things for me. And if you're ever anything like me, maybe over time, as those prayers seemingly go unanswered, you grow in your frustration. You begin to become insecure about your relationship with God, where you stand with Him, whether or not He really loves you. And over time, it's very easy for your prayer life to become increasingly sporadic, if not altogether non-existent. So wouldn't it be nice if if even just three times we could ask anything of God and we'd be guaranteed that he would say yes? On the verses in front of us this morning, that's exactly what Abraham got times two. Six times he went to God with a very bold request and six times God said yes. I don't know, maybe he used that old trick where you use one of your first three wishes to ask for more wishes, so he ended up with six, I'm not sure. But somehow Abraham was able to go to God six times, each time asking for more, and six consecutive times God said yes. So how did he do it? And more importantly, how do we Here's the situation. God had promised Abraham as his inheritance the entire land of the nation that we know as Israel. Back then it was called Canaan. But there were two cities in that land that were incredibly, incredibly wicked. In fact, so wicked that even though those cities have been wiped off the face of the earth for thousands of years, you are very familiar with their names even before you heard them this morning. So wicked, in fact, that one of those cities has a specific sin that is named after it. These are the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. 
so evil, so wicked that the Lord himself came down from heaven to see the wickedness for himself and then wipe them off the face of the earth. For those two cities, it was a done deal, an open and closed case. Their fate was sealed. And yet immediately after the Lord told Abraham what he was going to do to those cities, Abraham turned around and approached the Lord and asked him not to do it. You see, in spite of all of their wickedness, Abraham knew that in those cities there were some righteous, God-fearing people. Namely, his nephew Lot, Lot's wife, their two daughters, and their two daughters' husbands. So not only out of concern for those six people, but out of concern for any other righteous, God-fearing people that might have been living in those cities, Abraham approached God and asked him not to do what he had planned. Again, not just once, not twice, but six consecutive times. Where in the world did Abraham get the nerve? Well, obviously, Abraham was very confident of where he stood with God. In the course of his prayer, Abraham points out how he recognizes that he is nothing but dust and ashes. Abraham knew full well that he was a sinful man, who was on his way to the grave that he deserved. He knew that he was going into the presence of a holy, righteous God. And yet Abraham knew that his relationship with God did not depend at all on his merit, but instead depended alone on God's mercy. God had promised Abraham that one of his descendants would be Jesus, the Savior of the world, and that through Jesus, all of Abraham's sins would be forgiven and Jesus' perfection and righteousness would take their place. And Abraham believed it. So Abraham knew where he stood with God. Abraham also knew exactly what his God was like. He knew that his God was just. He knew that God was not some temperamental tyrant who would just go in and wipe out an entire village of people just because one or two rebels were living there. No, he knew that God would never act irrationally or unjustly. And so he goes to God and he says, Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? Abraham knew full well where he stood with God. He knew full well what his God was like, and that gave him the boldness to go and make these six requests of the Lord. So do you pray like Abraham did? Are you that bold? Are you that confident as you go to God? Are you that persistent? Do you pray using Jesus' words in today's gospel, with shameless audacity. And if not, why not? Friends, might I suggest to you this morning that that if at times we don't pray with the boldness and confidence that Abraham did, it's because at times we view our God and our relationship with him differently from the way that Abraham did. You see, I think a lot of the times as we approach prayer, it's easy to picture God 
almost as some sort of cosmic vending machine. Think about that for a minute. You make the right deposit, you push all of the right buttons, and then out shoots the blessing that you've been asking for. But of course, very often it doesn't work, right? Very often you don't get what you ask for and you start to wonder, well, why didn't this work? Maybe it didn't work because of who I am or something I did. And so maybe if I just try a little bit harder to be a good Christian, whatever that's supposed to mean, then maybe God will do what I ask. Or maybe it didn't work because I didn't ask for the right things. And so we ask for different things. We ask for fewer things. We sort of lower the stakes and ask for less and less. And then, then maybe God will listen. And of course, all the while, we grow increasingly frustrated as we play this game with God as we try to manipulate him the way that we would shake a vending machine if it's not doing what we want. And maybe over time it causes us to eventually give up on even trying with this whole prayer thing. Friends, I don't know if you noticed it, but when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he didn't say that we should picture God as some sort of cosmic vending machine. He said, when you pray, Start out this way. Start out by addressing God as your Father in heaven. Yes, as we stand before God, we realize that we too are nothing but dust and ashes. We sin daily. And yet through faith in Jesus, all of those sins have been forgiven. Through faith in Jesus, perfection and holiness have taken their place. Through faith in Jesus, when God looks at you, he doesn't see a whole list of reasons why he shouldn't answer your prayers. No, when God looks at you, he beams with pride. He's looking at his children. He beams with pride just like you do when little Johnny hits a home run. Just like you do when daddy's little princess brings home straight A's from school. He beams with pride when he looks at you and nothing can change that because it never depended on your performance in the first place. Let me ask, when, when your children disobey you or when they disappoint you, do you kick them out of the house? Do you stop feeding them? Do you stop providing for them? Do you start charging them rent? Probably not, right? And just think, if that's the way that we as sinful human parents, treat our children, just think what our Father in heaven will do for us as he considers us his dearly loved children. Friends, as you think about your prayer life, remember first and foremost where you stand with God because of his son, Jesus Christ. Secondly, remember what your God is like. Just like Abraham who knew that he had a just God who wouldn't punish the righteous along with the wicked, you and I know so much about our God and the blessings that he wants to give. In fact, the Lord's Prayer is a perfect example of that. Each line of that prayer is another thing that God wants to give us. That entire prayer is like a wish list that God has put together and handed to us and said, here, here's what I want you to ask me for. Here are the things that I want to give you most. I want to give you daily bread. 
I want to make sure that you have everything that you need. I want to forgive your sins. I want to rule into, in your heart through faith, and I want that faith to endure throughout your life. I want to keep you from temptation. I want to deliver you from evil. And most of all, I want you to be with me in heaven forever. God makes that crystal clear. That's God's biggest desire for us. Now, are there details of that plan that remain hidden from us? Sure. And when we ask God in prayer about specific things that fall under the details of that plan, when we don't get what we ask for, can it be frustrating? Of course. But when we remember that all of the big things, all of the important things, all of the eternal things are certain, that God tells us that He wants to give them to us, boy, our prayers will naturally gravitate to and focus on those big, important things. You see, as we think about prayer, God is either this cosmic vending machine that that we try and manipulate to get to do what we want, or He is a very loving, very gracious Father who gives us His very best even without our asking. However you view God is going to have an impact on your prayers. Your prayers will reflect what you believe about God. But does that guarantee that he's going to answer them? Again, not only did Abraham make these bold requests because of what he knew about God, God said yes every single time. Six consecutive times, Abraham actually asked for more. He upped the ante, and God continued to say yes each and every time. Again, how did, how did Abraham do it? Well, one of the misconceptions that we can easily have about this story is that Abraham actually changed God's mind about what he was going to do. It's easy for us almost to assume that initially God was just going to destroy the whole place, righteous and wicked alike. And it's easy to assume that that after Abraham got God to agree to the number 50, that if there were 49 righteous people in those cities, God still would have destroyed the whole place. And then even after Abraham got God to whittle it down all the way to 10, that if there were just nine, God would have destroyed the whole place, righteous and wicked alike. That's actually not the case. And we know that because of how it all turned out. Do you know how this story ends? Do you know the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah? You see, God knew full well from the beginning that there weren't 50 righteous people in those cities. In fact, he knew that there weren't even 10. And so God destroyed those cities. He wiped them from the face of the earth just as he had promised. And yet before he did, he sent in two angels to bring Lot and his family out to rescue the righteous people who were there. You see, God ended up answering Abraham's prayer only in a way that Abraham never even thought to ask for. God ended up being the just, merciful God that Abraham knew that he was only in a way that Abraham never even dreamed of. And friends, as you and I approach God in prayer, we can have absolutely the same confidence. 
we might think that we know exactly the right solution to a particular problem and we might ask God for that very thing. And yet if God decides to give us something else, we can know with absolute confidence that that something else, what he gives us, is even better. Something that we probably never would have even imagined to ask for. One Christian author put it this way. He said, God will give you what you ask for. Or, he will give you what you would have asked for if you knew everything that he knows. You see, as we see how God answers our prayers, even if we don't see that fully until we get to heaven, God will prove himself to be the kind, loving, merciful Father that we know him to be and probably even better than we can ever dream of. You know, it's such a wonderful thing that these verses are included for us here on the pages of Scripture. In a lot of ways, these, these six requests that Abraham makes that probably took no more than six minutes are kind of like a, a lifetime of prayer all wrapped up, all condensed into this crash course on prayer. But friends, if you find your prayer life to be frustrating at times, if you find God's answers to be unsatisfying at times, learn these lessons as quickly as possible. Take this crash course as soon as you can. Remember where you stand with God because of his son Jesus Christ. Remember that God is a loving and merciful father who will only give you what is best. And then your prayers will reflect what you believe about him. And his answers to you will only confirm it. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.